This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith courts one into right down the line. It may go. You're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. A special post-Cardinals Hall of Fame edition of the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Boy, this is right in our wheelhouse for this program. A fun, fun conversation, part of a special Flashback Friday. Scott Rowland, Jason Isringhausen, on the eve of of their induction into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. They sat down in front of a bunch of fans at the Hall of Fame Club across the street here at Ballpark Village, and Brian Finch emceed his way uh, through a discussion with those two gentlemen. It was a weekend that, and a lot of us, as I kind of talked to people around the building, you know, I think the first thing that comes up is, boy, that was a really great Hall of Fame weekend. We love Scott and Jason, but didn't really expect the emotion or the length of those speeches but both of them really, really treasured being a Cardinal. We knew that already, but to hear them express it the way that they did, I thought was really neat. I don't know either one of them particularly well. I have interviewed both of them at different points during my time here in St. Louis, and I have to say that each of them has always been a real gentleman and has always given thoughtful answers, but um, didn't quite expect, again, just the length and the emotion that we got out of both of those guys during the induction this past Saturday. This is a Flashback Friday. As I said, I've told you before, but I'll tell you now, every single Friday home game, and we're running out of them here in 2019, but every single Friday home game, the Cardinals Museum brings an alumni in, and with the price of admission to the museum, you get to sit in the Sportsman's Park Theater and listen to an intimate, I mean, super up close and personal. If you come to this thing, you're not probably more than 25 yards from this uh, alumni, and you get to hear some stories that you wouldn't get to hear in other settings, really. Just long-form baseball recollections. If you love baseball, if you love history, if you love the Cardinals, you need to get there to Flashback Friday. Check out more at cardinals.com museum. Let's get right to it here. It is the conversation between Scott Rowland, Jason Isringhausen, and Brian Finch from the Cardinals Museum. I hope that you enjoy it. We'll catch you on the other side here on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. What a special treat we have today. Welcome to Flashback Friday. This is a series that we've done all season on our home Friday games. Typically, we do this in our museum. It's always been fun to uh, have our alumni Cardinal players come and join us, but we thought we'd try something a little different this year with Hall of Fame weekend, and uh, <laughs> so excited to have this year's Hall of Fame inductees with us. We'll get to them in just a minute. If you enjoy programs like this and you're not a member of our museum, consider joining. Our members uh, receive unlimited admission to the museum. You didn't have to pay to come to a program like this this afternoon. They get Hall of Fame bobbleheads, uh, ticket duels, things like that. So if you're interested, check at our museum desk. You can find out more information there. 
Also, if you enjoy content like this, uh, go to cardinals.com slash podcast. It's the best source for the best Cardinals content. Again, that's cardinals.com slash podcast. But let's jump right in. Today's guest delivered some of the greatest moments in Cardinals history. So please welcome our newest Cardinals Hall of Famers, four-time All-Star and Gold Glover, Scott Rowland, and the Cardinals all-time saves leader, Jason Isringhausen. <laughs> Gentlemen, thanks for joining us here today. They told me before we came out that their most favorite thing to do was interviews just like this. Brian said, let's have some fun. We kind of talked about what we do for fun. That's right. That's right. Well, we'll start right there. Before we jump into your career, what keeps you busy nowadays? That's all family for me. It's, it's, I have a daughter who's a freshman in high school in Bloomington South. She plays uh, volleyball, basketball, uh, runs track, might play softball. My son plays soccer, uh, basketball, baseball. So... I'm, uh, I, I don't have time for a job, so thankfully I was able to play baseball and, and uh, retire when I did because I'm running around and doing different stuff, so it's, it, it's all kids for me right now. That's fantastic. And Izzy? Uh, I have the same thing. I have a daughter that's going to be a senior. She committed, got a full ride to Tennessee Tech for volleyball, wow. and then uh, I have a, yeah, how about that? <laughs> Took after mom. <laughs> and then I have a 10-year-old, uh, a fifth grader who does everything. And then I also work for the Cardinals and travel a little bit in the minor leagues to see all the kids pitch and do everything. And I don't have time for much either, but, you know, it's, it is what it is. We do what we do and uh, got to be as much with our family as we can because we missed a lot when we were playing. So now we try to make up for it as much as we can. I need to add on. Um, I actually uh, took a position as director of player development for Indiana University as well in their baseball program. I'm living in Bloomington, Indiana. So All right. according to the NCAA, I can't develop players as a player development director, but I can. <laughs> it's, it's all in the fine lines there. But, uh, and it's the NCAA, I would NCAA, presume. yes. Right. But I, I can consult the coaches and coach the coaches. So I, I spend a little time there when I'm not. At Fair a volleyball enough. game. There you go. And sporting the team uh, gear right there, we see. Oh, really? That's right. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Let's, let's uh, go back to the beginning of your careers, respectively, with the Cardinals. You both came in the same year, uh, a little bit different timing in 2002. Uh, Izzy, we'll start with you. What was it like? Tell us about sort of your, uh, your journey to the Cardinals uh, in 2002 and, and what it was like coming to St. Louis. Well, I started off, I mean, it's kind of what we're going to be talking about tomorrow during the speech. I hope there's only this amount of people there tomorrow, too. It'll be, make it much easier. But, uh, yeah, you know, I started off, I got drafted by the Mets, was there for a few years, got traded to Oakland, and when I became a free agent, I mean, there was really nothing stopping me from coming here. I didn't, it was just what I wanted to do. And Walt and Mo made that happen, and, you know, the biggest thing for me coming here was just telling people no. You know, because everybody come out of the woodwork and wanted this and wanted that. But, oh, and then other than that, it was just baseball. But it was, I came from Oakland where it was kind of like a college atmosphere where we had fun playing baseball. You come here and you have Tony, who was, it was all about winning. There was no fun, so to speak. But, I mean, we were expected to win every day and very businesslike. And we won a lot and we had a lot of fun winning. Now, you mentioned coming here. That was a free agent move or free agency for the Cardinals. Did you have any other offers you had considered at that time before you came to St. Louis? Obviously, St. Louis was sort of your hometown team, but 
You know, that was a big move for the Cardinals when we were kind of getting in there. No fun coming from the guy that shoot potato guns in the shower. <laughs> I, uh, no, I mean, you're taking away from my speech again tomorrow. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, haven't, I don't know his speech. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Don't, don't spill the beans for oh, tomorrow. I don't care. I have two sisters and they live down in Dallas. So I had, uh, I, kind of, I had accepted a deal to go play for the Rangers that morning but hadn't signed anything. And I went golfing that day with a buddy of mine and Mr. DeWitt called. And he goes, what's it going to take for you to come to St. Louis? And that was the first time I had heard from anybody from the Cardinals. And I was like, uh, I didn't know what to say. So, I mean, I, like, little did he know, I was, like, I was just waiting to hear from somebody, and it didn't matter what they offered. And uh, I came up with a plan, and it all worked out, and then everything worked out from there. And then, I mean, it was the best seven years of my life. Sounds good. Later in 2002, uh, the team made a big move to shore things up at third base. We had a fellow that was playing pretty well for us with uh, Polanco, but uh, we had an opportunity to, to really make a big move for this gentleman right here, Scott Rowland. Scott, when did you find out that you were coming to St. Louis, and uh, how did you feel about making the move uh, in the National League to come, to come west to St. Louis? Well, as I grew up as well, you know, three hours, four hours from here in Jasper, and probably three hours in Jasper, um, you know, this is a team that everybody, that we kind of grew up following and watching, and that was all the Ozzie Smith, Willie McGee area, era that came through. And, and so, of course, it was on my radar when I was with the Phillies, and we'd come here, I'd have a bunch of family and friends, and obviously we, everybody enjoyed coming to play in St. Louis. I mean, it's a full house, packed, you know, action everywhere. So... It was a spot that was always on my mind, but I wasn't a free agent at the time, so I didn't have any say in the matter. That last year, uh, Philly historians were, it was fairly rough for me at that time. Uh, they had offered me a contract in that offseason that I did not accept. Um, I wanted to become a free agent. And I wanted to weigh some options. We had had some tough 100 lost seasons over five years, and, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get into a competitive situation, and, and they were... I mean, they were, they were doing all the right things and, and, and trying to head in a competitive route. We just hadn't done it yet. So I didn't accept the offer at the time, and, and that didn't go over too well, I don't think, with the, uh, with the fans. And there was some miscommunications here and there. A lot of things happened, so I ended up getting booed quite a bit in my own, <laughs> in my own jersey. Um, but, you know, I played the season, and literally on the last day I got a call at home um, before on an off day um, from Walt and uh, you know I was traded to the Cardinals and and packed up that day and um, I mean TV cameras at my house and you know it was ugly it was a it was a big deal but uh, flew down flew down to Florida and started playing you know that that next day for the for the Cardinals against the Marlins and and moved here and um, it was an interesting time I'm not trying to be macabre if you will you know spell that. Macabre. I don't know that one. Okay. Um, but it, it was a year, uh, it was a tough year for the Cardinals. It was a year Jack Buck and Daryl Kyle both passed away. Right. And I came into the team at that time literally weeks after, after Daryl had passed away. So I think there was some heavy hearts in the whole, whole team, and, and they weren't sure which direction they were headed. So they opened their arms up and accepted me, you know, at that time. And, and we ended up having a, having a great year. And, and, you know, like Jason said, I started a family here. This is where my kids were born. This yeah. is where everything happened for me. So this is the best time in my life and my playing career as well. Hope that you are enjoying this Hall of Fame conversation here on the program. want to remind you that if you're looking for something to do Labor Day weekend, 
Why not come out to the ballpark with the Cardinals and the Reds August 30th through September 1st? The weekend series filled with some great giveaways. That includes the 2004 NL Championship Beer Stein, a road gray embroidered jersey, and Cardinals pajama pants for the kids. Tickets at cardinals.com slash promotions. Again, Labor Day weekend at Bush Stadium. Three great giveaways, and you can get your tickets at cardinals.com slash promotions. Back to Roland and Izzy and Brian Finch over at Flashback Friday. I, I, uh, if I remember correctly, you even made a statement about St. Louis being baseball heaven. That was the miscommunication that I was talking about that caused me great grief in Philadelphia. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that, so I apologize, but... <laughs> no, but I can explain it. I can explain it to you right now. Oh, sure. So, um, I was having a tough time, and, and I, at, when I got traded, I didn't, I, I didn't want to do any interviews. I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to go, and, and all due respect, everybody was coming down, and I, I enjoyed the, the Philly riders, you know, plenty. Um, and uh, they were good to me. And, and what happened at the time was my agent asked me to do one interview. One interview on my way to the clubhouse to pull my stuff out. And he wanted me to do it with Peter Gammons. And Peter was just doing a column. It wasn't on the air. It wasn't anything. He was just doing a column. And he wasn't taking notes. He wasn't, wasn't really doing anything. And he asked me, um, you know, what I feel about it. And I said, I grew up in that area. I said, I've always known St. Louis as baseball heaven, which it is. It's wonderful. Thanks to the fans and everybody, right? It's baseball heaven. Except it made it into the column as, I've died and gone to baseball heaven. <laughs> that did not work well for Scott. When I came back, they were bringing busloads of people for free D-cell battery. <laughs> they were handing out D-cell batteries and throwing them the first time back. But I had my own security detail, so not a big deal. Well, a, a little tongue-in-cheek, you know, it was just a few years later in 2006 that the Cardinals used that as a marketing slogan, and I was always curious, did you get some kind of kickback for, you know, coining the phrase? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fast forward a couple years. So 2002, um, we had a nice playoff run. We, we were on the doorstep of getting to the World Series, just didn't quite get over the top. Uh, but the two of you really put things together the finest years, uh, one of the finest years in, in Cardinals history in 2004. Would love to do a little bit of a deeper dive here. Um, Jason, you set a franchise record, tied a franchise record with 47 saves in 2004. Actually had 50 saves total when we look at, you know, the playoff record with uh, the regular season. Uh, Scott, you had probably your finest year of your entire career with a 314 batting average, 34 home runs. 124 runs batted in, which was uh, good for second in the National League, part of the MB3. Um, let's look at that 2004 season, and then we'll culminate with that Game 7 of the NLCS with both, both of you had huge moments in, you know, milestone moments. But take us to that 2004 season, and, and how did things get started, and, and where did you both realize that something special was going on here in St. Louis? Well, I mean, we had... Uh we had really good teams in St. Louis through all those years. It was just one of those years where things clicked. I mean, when you have an MV3, which in, any one of them could have been the MVP if it wasn't for the other two. I mean, when you have that running your running your offense, I mean, we're going to score a lot of runs. And you have gold glovers everywhere around the field. And our job as pitchers was just to keep it in the ballpark. When you keep it in the ballpark, somebody's going to catch it. 
And, uh, you know, I don't get 47 saves without everybody else doing what they did. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where it, it started to click and it became like we're going to win every game and there's nobody going to stop us. I mean, 104 wins later, um, it was uh, one of the special years that, I, that we had here. That, it ranks up there at the top. I mean, we got bum-rushed, you know, in the playoffs when we got to the uh, World Series and things like that. But, you know, I, that's the best team I ever played on. I know that for sure. Yeah. Scott? Uh, not close. It, it's absolutely the best team I ever played on. And, and it's the – I mean, you can, look at the, you can look at the lineup. You can go around the positions and, and understand where that comes from ability-wise. But the intangible stuff – that, that we always talk about is, you know, we were, we're all growing up together. We were all starting families together. We were all friends um, on and off the field. We held each other accountable. We went to work. Um, our wives hung out, had dinners. Our families grew up together. It was just a really nice, uh, there's, there was a lot of unity in that group. So there were so many intangibles off the field that you always hear about and incredible talent on the field. And you get that group together that we're going all the way through, and then we pick up Larry Walker at the deadline, who I've said multiple times, he's the best player I've ever played with. That because it's, he runs the bases, he plays the outfield, he hits for power, he hits for average, his IQ's off the charts. Mm -hmm. Baseball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baseball IQ. Um, and so it's just a, an incredibly talented group of guys that really went out with the with, with an understanding that we're going out to do our job and when we went out to do our job we won we didn't go out to win we didn't go out to hit doubles and triples and get saves and homer we went out to do our jobs to execute to focus to work and we won and we won and we won and we didn't need momentum we just went to work and we won and you know I told my wife after we got killed in the World Series there, uh, about four days later, I said, I'll never win a World Series. That was it. I have no shot. I didn't know two years later we'd win 83 games and walk through the thing. But that, yeah. like I said, that's the best team that, that I played on for sure, and you just backed it up. Yeah. I, I'm glad you brought up Larry Walker. Looking back over some of the stats, and that was actually my first year with the team, so it's you know, interesting how we have our journeys you know, in sports. And the thing that really, the two things that stand out to me, I'm glad you brought him up. Now, so many teams look at the trade deadline and it's, what do you need? What do you need to get over the hump? If you look at our roster from that year, we didn't need anything at the trade deadline. We were 10 games, 10 and a half games ahead when we acquired Larry Walker. And I'm curious to, to know how y'all felt when we got him because I mean, you look around your field, your lineup going, gosh, where's he going to slide in? Because everybody was hitting, everybody was raking, but, well, you, you find a way to get him in, right? Yeah, you, you make room for a Larry Walker. Right. I mean, like you're saying, we're ten and a half games up on everybody, and we pick up Larry. I, if, I, if, I, if, it re, if I can remember right, I think we saw it up on the billboard, like on the big screen. Where it, it, said, it was in the middle of a we day just, game. We, were, we just acquired Larry Walker, and everybody just started cheering and things, and – uh, to get Larry there and to bring that skill set to what we already had. It was like there was nobody going to stop us. And then we get to the World Series, and Boston had just been down 3-0 to the Yankees, and they came back and won it, and they were on fire. We just ran to a buzzsaw when we got to Boston. There was nothing we could do to stop them. And, but like Scotty said, but when you get a guy like that, 
I mean, the best player in the game. I mean, five-tool guy that we talk about, uh, MVP-type guy, and you just put him in the middle of MV3. I mean, what do you – you just expect the best. And we just, you know, we came up a little short, but, you know, and we went at it again next year in 2006. We didn't have a good year. I got hurt. So we had some starters go down. You squeak into the playoffs. You're not that juggernaut, and then that's what we always say. You get in, you never know what's going to happen. Raphael Barriard makes a diving play in San Diego, and we just start rolling after that. Mm-hmm. Young kid, Adam Rainwright, starts closing out games, and it's just, you know, flip of the coin when you get into the playoffs. And it was just one of those things. Absolutely. Before we move on from 2004, we have to talk about Game 7. Two huge milestone moments in your careers and really in Cardinals history. First of all, Scott, big home run. Big home run, which actually may have been one of the shortest home runs of your career. But Game 7, Roger Clemens. To me, it was a big home run. I, one <laughs> I was of my, pretty excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, so the night before, Edmonds hits a walk-off home run in Game 6. And then in Game 7, you're up at the plate, have an opportunity. Uh, you were up after Albert. Albert had hit the double. Um, what do you remember about that moment? I remember being on deck, and you got Roger. Roger Clemens, Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the mound, and and um, I remember they were going out and they had a conversation on the mound with him. And I try not to have many arrogant moments, and I think at that moment I thought, if you leave him in, I'm going to get him. I'm not going to let him out-compete me, because that's one of the best competitors that's ever taken the mound right there. And the problem with pitching, especially as a starter, is you have to out-compete everybody every at bat, mm-hmm. which the great ones do. But if I can out-compete you in one at bat, I can change things. And I had stood on deck and I wanted him to stay in because I wanted to out-compete Roger Clemens in one at bat. And it so happened it was the first pitch. That home run changed the game. It would ultimately be a pennant winning home run for us, which always puts you in the annals of Cardinals history. And then Izzy, you would take the mound with an opportunity to close out uh, a National League championship for the Cardinals. You get the ball in your hand. That's got to be a dream for you, growing up a Cardinals fan at home at Bush Stadium. I've got chills right now thinking about it. Take us through that moment and those three outs for you. Uh, the only, I only remember the last out. Yeah. But, I, but it, every time I went out there, the only thing I thought about was like throwing strike one. If I can throw strike one, the, the jitters start to go away. I, you do that, and then it's just like I've talked about before. I mean, just like do not give them a chance to put a rally or anything together. Just make them put it in play and let our defense take over. And uh, I, I remember Jose Vizcaino hit a cutter, ground ball to second base, mm-hmm. uh, and, that, and then it was just a big celebration. That's all it was. I mean, I didn't know what to do. You're supposed to go hug the catcher, and I went and hugged Albert instead of Matheny, and I just, it just all broke loose, and everybody started hugging each other. And total screw-up on my part. I, the whole – Jumping into the catcher's arms never happened, so whatever. <laughs> uh, so it was Albert and I, and then it was just like a big, uh, you know, big gang a lot on, right there on the mound. And I don't know, it's just one of those things where you talk to young kids and like this is what you pitch for, is to be on that man, be on that mound to have your whole teammates bum rush you and get stomped on a bunch and get you all your toes cut off with the spikes, but it's still all worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about 2005 a little bit. Um, at this point, you know, I've played a few years in your career. You've seen what Cardinals fans mean, what this city uh, means to professional baseball. 
and, and really what baseball means to the city. And now you're playing in the final year of a venerated ballpark here. What was it like going through that season and, and playing in the final games at Bush Stadium 2, the stadium that the two of you had grown up with as, as Cardinal fans and coming to see Major League games and, uh, you know, going against the Astros again in that National League Championship Series? I can start because it would be quick for me. I had two surgeries that year. So uh, it wasn't as – it. Uh, I had the first surgery in May and tried to come back and was absolutely pathetic and went back to uh, a second surgery at the end of the year. So I actually got to watch, you know, the playoffs and, and the whole works that was going on right there. So I was unable to compete. I'm sure like Izzy was talking about in 06, that's not the spot where you want to be and especially going into the playoffs. So that was a frustrating mental year for me and physically as well. Yep. I think it's – you know, he's old, or he's old enough now. He played on the turf at Bush Stadium. Did you, or did you not? So I mean, we got to go through the the turf, then play on the grass, and then you're thinking about. I mean, people that grew up or watched it remember all the arches and uh, and the old Bush Stadium, and thinking about the brand new one that's being built over in the parking lot. Uh, you know, it's just nostalgia. You know, you're getting ready to close down a ballpark. You want to play great everybody we had a good run you know but then again then you get to open up this brand new state-of-the-art stadium and uh, you know little did we know when we opened up the stadium what was going to happen next and uh, just a lot of good memories you talked about 2006 a little bit already um, how that team kind of came together at the right time really in the playoffs there um, it seemed like everybody happened to be healthy not trying to you know stick a, a thorn there in the side but uh, you were the one that struggled with health down the stretch. Um, the rest of the team did seem to get healthy at the right time. And, uh, you know, the championship that seemed kind of unbelievable, you know, came together. And uh, Scott, we'll talk to you about that for a minute. You finished the season in the playoffs on a hot streak, 10-game hitting streak. Uh, really was a toss-up for the World Series MVP between you and Eckstein. And Curtis Granderson helped him out with that by misplaying a fly ball. So... Eckstein got a Corv out of it. And, Cute uh, little fella, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but what a run that was uh, for the team, and you two were a big part of that. Um, no, that was great. I mean, there was, there was nothing. Everything I was talking about 04 wasn't in 06. You know, do you agree with that? The, you know, the on the field, off the field, the, the intangibles, and I'm not ripping on anybody by any means. It was a great group of guys and a great group of players, but um, we got hot at the right time. I mean, we, we everybody said we backed into the World Series. It's the worst winning percentage or the worst wins that's ever made the playoff team at 83, and whether that's right or wrong, I don't know, but, I mean, Detroit was good. Yeah. They were strong. They were coming up, and they were they were great. Justin Verlander was anchoring their staff, and, and, I mean, they had a great starting staff, great relievers, and, and they were a veteran group. They were us in 04, basically, and and we got to a point where, you know, we pitched. We got the ball on the ground. We made plays. We got big hits, and, and, and you couldn't stop us at the time. So, like I said, I when we won that, when we lost in 04 and won that, I realized that I didn't know anything about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it was the – I went out September 9th was – we were at playing Washington, and I went to Tony. I said, I can't help the team anymore. I said we, – so we sat in the office, and we figured out who was going to close, and we went through some few guys, and little did we know that this scrawny, skinny rookie, Adam Wainwright, was going to start doing this job. 
Uh, you know, but like he said, they got high at the right time. We got in by one game on the last day of the season, I think it was. When we lost. We lost, yeah. <laughs> Braves, beat some, Braves beat Houston or somebody, and we got in. So, yeah, we're partying like rock stars, and then next thing you know, it's like, like he said, like we were supposed to win in 04. We weren't supposed to do anything in 06. And then you back in, and, you know, you make a couple plays here and there, and you get to the World Series, and you put the ball in play, and their pitchers can't throw to bases, and the next thing you know, you know, you got a big fat ring on your on your finger. It's 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 unreal how baseball works. Looking back over your time here in St. Louis, what are the moments that stand out to you, and particularly playing in front of these fans? Some of them, you know, that have joined us here today. I always have um, one moment. I'm not, I, I can't. You know, we've all praised the fans and praised the organization. We can't. He's going to have to try to find new words for it tomorrow, I think, in his speech. It's hard because they've all been taken because it's really that good. I mean, the organization, the fan, the fan base, the culture, it's a celebration, you know, of baseball here in St. Louis all the time. I'm going to use that. I'm going to go rewrite my speech. Yeah, yeah that's great. Um, that's, that's some quality. Quality stuff right quality there. Stuff. Did you record that? And, uh, no, but, but there, was, there was one time, and it was at Game 7, um, against the Astros in 04, and I, I think to a man we'd all agree that that was probably the best baseball maybe that we'd ever played or played against or series um, in our careers as well as the Cardinals and the Astros matched up. I mean, it was just a fun series and every out mattered. And Normally you don't play that way. It doesn't, doesn't work out that way. But, you know, we win, we win the thing, and, and, and I've said it before, I'm, I'm after the celebration and everything that's going on, we're, I'm standing at second base or in the back of second base with Mike Matheny. And um, we hugged each other and we're talking. We look up in the outfield and the whole place is going nuts and there's confetti. That's all you can see is confetti everywhere coming down in the outfield. And I said to him at that time, I said, Bird, let's not forget this. Because the season goes fast, your career goes fast, your retirement, you know, everything's fast, but let's not forget this right here, right now, tonight. And he may have forgotten it, but at the time he agreed, but I, I haven't forgotten it. So that was kind of a special moment of, like I said, we can try to pick words for, for, for St. Louis baseball and the fans and the Cardinals, but, but I, I'm an action guy and I saw it. Right here it is. This is my career you know, in St. Louis. Jason? I don't know if I can top that one, but... <laughs> uh, you know, it's you a competitive have so many. world out there. Yeah. You just have so many. You have, I mean, just me growing up here, always with my family and friends and, and always seeing them in the stands, it was kind of like just always being home, you know, and... But, I mean, the one that picked, you know, Albert's home run against Lidge that night... That hasn't landed that yet. That hasn't landed. <laughs> So I pitched the eighth inning, and I'm thinking, all right, well, we're, you know, Lidge is coming out top of the ninth, you know, hey, you know, and all of a sudden, Albert is at home. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to go back out and pitch the ninth inning. So I went from jumping up to thinking I have to go out there and finish the game off to, like, being, like, started sweating profusely. And uh, I remember Chris Burkett, that fly ball out to right center to end the game, and it was just, that's probably the moment that stuck, sticks in my mind. But like Scotty said, those celebrations that we had, um, just being with the guys, and I remember after the, the world's uh, going over to bars downtown afterwards that we won. You never went, though. It was just me. 
And, uh, you know, being with your teammates and the wives and everything, it was just a big, close-knit group and then just tons of fun. Last question. Just a few months ago, Hall of Fame voting occurs, and each of you received a personal phone call from our owner, Bill DeWitt Jr., letting you know that you're the 2019, the newest members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. How did that feel? Well, I screened it first. Because <laughs> it was a 314 number, so I let it go. And then I called him back, and he screened mine, because mine's a New York number. So it didn't go great right up front. But uh, when we finally got in contact with each other, I mean, what an honor. And it, it's, it's everything we've talked about. I mean, the, the owner calls you and, and congratulates you, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. He's the first person to talk to you about it. Nothing's tipped off whatsoever. It's it's first class. I mean, it's, it's professional. It's first class. And, and uh, I know we, we all appreciate the ownership and the management and the fans and the whole works. And, the, you know, that goes to show right there. I mean, that's, that's the way you do it. If you draw it up, that's the way you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's the way it's done here in St. Louis. Mine was the same way. His, came, his call came up as a call from Ohio. I'm like, oh, God, I'm not answering this. <laughs> and then it, it was his voice. He's like, Izzy, it's Bill Dewey. I need to talk to you. And being a... Uh, being an employee of the crowd, I was like, oh, God, what I do now? <laughs> so I called him back hesitantly. I'm like, yeah? And he told me, and, you know, it's like Scotty says, just like a, a sigh of relief, you know, in uh, first class. And just, uh, you know, the smile really hasn't left my face since he told me. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a fun day tomorrow. Couldn't have said it any better. Maybe. It will be an absolutely fun day tomorrow. It will be a wonderful celebration of Cardinals baseball. We are so proud to have the two of you home. Cardinals forever. You're going to get your red jackets tomorrow as part of the 2019 Cardinals Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It's 3 o'clock. Please put your hands together. Welcome them back. Jason Isringhausen and Scott Rowland. What fun. Two guys with some really good personalities. I know that they maybe are a little drier, and when they played, uh, they weren't guys probably that really enjoyed talking with the media. I mean, they did it, and they did it admirably, the way that they fulfilled their, their obligation to speak to the media, but um, they weren't necessarily looking to make headlines, which is there's some respectability about that, I think, in some ways, too. But it was just it's fun to hear the personality, and when you get to see them and see them kind of in their element and with some of the guys they played with or played for, uh, like I get the privilege to see that on Hall of Fame Day, you really get a sense of who they are as uh, as dads and as brothers and as sons and uh, just as friends and, and all the people that showed up from both of their hometowns, of Jasper, Indiana for Rowan and also Brighton, Illinois. We had big contingencies from both at Ballpark Village this past weekend. A lot of love for those guys from their hometowns, a lot of love from Cardinal Nation, two of the greatest ever to play here in St. Louis. It's why they're wearing a red jacket now. And you know what? It's why Yadier Molina will likely wear one someday. And as we talk about Yadier, I want to let you know that if you spend Labor Day at the ballpark on Monday, September the 2nd, the Cardinals host the Giants. And that day, 30,000 fans entering with a ticket will take home a Yadier Molina Funko Pop exclusive courtesy of Nathan's Famous. Tickets and info at cardinals.com slash promotions it's a gate giveaway again it means the first 30,000 fans are going to get it if you don't know what a Funko Pop is just give it a Google uh, or go better yet go to cardinals.com slash promotions you can see the actual Yachty one 
that is being given out. He's in the powder blue, red hat with uh, the majority of them. And then I think there's going to be a limited number mixed in. You won't know till you get your item, but some of them are silver and some of them are gold. So you might get one of those three Yachty Funko Pops here on September the 2nd. Again, if you want tickets, cardinals.com slash promotions. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. I just enjoyed getting to cue up the audio and kick back and give it a listen myself as I put this one together. I enjoy all of them, but there's some where you just really think, all right, I'm just going to sit back here and listen as a fan, and I enjoyed doing that today. I hope that you did too. If you enjoy what we do here, you enjoy stuff like this, or maybe are, are digging into the audio archives like we did last week with the full half inning of Jack Buck's Go Crazy Call, if that's something that you find interesting, content that you want to continue to have it be a part of your drive home on a weekly basis or to have on while you're doing stuff around the house, uh, we want that. We want to continue to be a part of your week and your day, and it really helps us out if you leave a positive rating or review wherever you listen. We're available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and iTunes is the big one. That's where most of you do listen is through that Apple Podcast app. But wherever you listen, if you could leave a positive rating or review, that's really, really huge for us, and it helps us to be able to continue to do this kind of content. The organization has been great in supporting it, and we really appreciate that. I really appreciate it personally, and I hope that it's something that you find worthwhile too. So ratings, reviews, they go a long way. We would really ask that no matter where you're listening from, and we've got listeners all over the world, which I think is pretty cool, uh, we would really appreciate your feedback on the program. You can also do that by emailing me, podcast with an S, at cardinals.com. I read and answer every single one, and I would love to hear from you, whether you're a first-time listener or a regular listener to the program. Hey, for Scott Rowland, Jason Isringhausen, and Brian Finch, my name is Brett McMillan. We'll catch you next Tuesday on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.